This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 220 with Chris Blasey. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at how to diversify your precious metals investments. My guest in this episode is Chris Blasey. Chris is a veteran of the financial and technology industries with over 30 years experience. His professional work in financial services includes roles with a major broker dealer and a boutique merchant banking firm. In conjunction with his investment banking and wealth management roles, Chris has extensive experience in the technology industry, specifically working with the financial services industry. Since 2005, Chris has led the operations and expansion of Neptune Global Holdings, LLC. Today, Neptune Global is a full-service precious metals dealer providing an array of trading, custody, and related services to individual and institutional investors, financial professionals, and broker-dealers. Additionally, Chris has developed innovative physical precious metals investment products such as the Neptune Vault Accounts and highly acclaimed PMC Ounce, which stands for Precious Metals Composite. The PMC Ounce was awarded a patent in 2013. As a recognized expert in the precious metals and financial markets, Chris has contributed to publications such as the Wall Street Journal, Investors Business Daily, Market Watch, The Street, USA Today, and CNBC. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Lobsher or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja to 44222. To ensure you never miss one of our episodes, you can download our free interactive smartphone apps on the Apple and Google Play app stores. I've also created a Cashflow Ninja investment group where I share opportunities that I'm investing in with my fellow investors. If you're interested in joining this group, please email me at info at cashflowninja.com and we will continue the conversation to see if you're a good fit for our group. I've always thought that if there's only a handful of people that have built indestructible wealth in any economy and any market, why are we following the advice and doing what the majority of people are doing that are struggling financially? My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy, but you need to pick one. At The Real Asset Investor, Dave and his company create value for investors looking for higher yield returns from real estate ventures domestically and internationally. To learn more about this exciting investment opportunities The Real Asset Investor offers, such as the syndication opportunity at Mahogany Bay Village in Belize, investment opportunities in the multifamily space in the United States, and ATM syndication opportunities, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor.
Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start or how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at joinopsproperties.com. If you want to create an income stream of 8% on your cash or money in your self-directed IRAs within 90 days in real estate without finding the property, fixing it up, finding a tenant, and other management headaches, you have to watch this private lending presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Chris, thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. I'm glad to be here today. Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Sure, Michael. Um, so my background, basically, um, I came out of college and spent some time as an uh, internal auditor with a, a Fortune 100 company at the time, and then kind of dove into the financial services space, having worked with one of the major broker-dealers and then spending some time with a boutique M&A firm um, and doing merchant banking. So that gave me a, a pretty big and extensive background in financial services. Then I kind of left financial services for a little over a decade and went into technology, right? This is all during pretty much the mid-90s or the early 90s up until um, early, two, well, up to 2010, and that gave me a great perspective because, as we know, technology is basically disrupting everything in our lives. So the, the experience I had there being with a, a big tech firm who was involved really um, on big data centers, and, and uh, you really got to see how technology was changing the workforce and affecting our lives. But then I always loved macroeconomics, always followed them. And I felt that in the new, at the start of the new millennium, that there was going to be a long-term secular bull market in the, basically the precious metal sector of the commodities world. So I moved into that sector, launched a firm, and that firm really grew and is now uh, basically become my uh, full-time uh, vocation since 2010. And we've done a lot of dynamic things that are just uh, not even what the traditional firms do in this space. And I'm very excited to jump into that with you. Before we touch on that, uh, let's talk a little about uh, about the economy, the global economy, global markets. What do you see as going on right now? The Dow, the day of recording, I mean, it was just hit another high this morning. It was up, uh, I think, about 200 points last time I looked at it. What are you seeing out there uh, as, with regards to the economy, the markets? Where is all of this headed? Um, there's bubbles everywhere. Absolutely. You know, I know that the, I would say, people look to the Dow and it's up and it's been a tremendous run um, for the last eight years. And I think that's misleading to a lot of folks of what's really going on. What we really have at a, at a macro level is we have debt that's basically unsustainable in the European Union, basically in the United States. Um, we have economies that have been basically 
grown by a lot of misallocation of capital um, and the piling on of debt. And that includes places like China, uh, just building out for the sake of building out. But let's take it home. What's important to us here? I mean, we've always been able to enjoy and have the luxury of being the world's reserve currency, the U.S. dollar. And that has allowed us to function with a tremendous debt load um, that's ever growing and has no chance of really being paid down. But the challenge, Michael, that your listeners and me and all of us who are concerned about our well-being, uh, the well-being of our families from a financial perspective is the U.S. dollar is in the process of losing its world reserve status. And it's not just talk anymore. I mean, there are bilateral trade agreements going on between places like China and Russia. And what they are doing is they're bypassing the dollar. And as we all know, generally all international transactions used to be settled in dollars, which that meant there was always a demand for dollars. And that kept the dollar basically strong, regardless of whatever fiscal imprudence we have here. But that's changing. And that's the big risk going forward for all of us here in the United States. Yeah, there definitely has been some developments in in the the world of money and uh, currencies and digital currencies, which we'll touch on in a second as well, uh, and reserve currencies. Uh, the SDR, uh, the Chinese renminbi, uh, being incorporated into the SDR was also a, a, a huge uh, a sign of this. So, to your point, there's definitely being um, a move orchestrated away from the dollar, and these things don't happen. Uh, overnight, it happens slowly, and then it happens really quickly, right? And that's exactly right. And, you know, the the process that's been set, and it's in motion, right, to move away from the dollar, that's not going to get reversed, right? That is, the countries that want to move away from the dollar as the standard, which is everyone in the world, right? The dollar being the reserve currency and the, and the standard serves us well. It doesn't really serve anyone else. And if you're, if you take an objective opinion and you step back and you're not just U.S. centric and, you know, to make good decisions, you have to really, you know, have a objective opinion. Everyone wants to move away from that. They want us to lose our power and our leverage that we had. And that's all it's in motion and it's happening. And as you said, so, you know, you take an indicator like the Dow, which I don't really believe is a true barometer of the health of things from that big macro macro perspective. But we will hit that tipping point where, you know, the dollar is past the point. It's now recognized by everyone. It is no longer going to be the reserve currencies. And then the volume of transactions, global business transactions will move, you know, exponentially toward or away from the dollar. And that's the point where then all of a sudden everything starts to reset. And then you get things like the bond market and the stock market uh, reacting accordingly. What do you think will uh, uh, trigger this eventually? You've touched on it a little briefly, but from a, cr- a crisis perspective, where do you think this, this how, how does this play out? Well, so right now it's, it's going to be grinding for a while. And, you know, you really have to use the analogy. If you ever watched like a, a, an old barn, like a deteriorate and tip, I mean, it slowly, it leans, it leans, it leans and leans. And then one morning you drive by and it's completely fallen down. Um, so it's like anything else in finance, everyone, you know, who's with an objective opinion knows what's coming, but you know, they're still making money and they're still in their current positions. 
and they're going to sit there. But once that first, you know, major move where big players start reacting in the bond market or the stock market because they say, okay, we've waited too long, right? Now we just need to take a new position based on what's changing in the world with maybe the change of the dollar reserve status. And then, of course, once the first couple players do it, then everyone follows suit, right? It's, um, right. you know, like the analogy of uh, people leaving the movie theater, right? One or two people just get up and leave, no one thinks. But then if a whole bunch of people get up and leave, everyone says, gee, what does that guy know that I don't know? And then everyone just follows. And we know that's how things work. And, um, you know, it's a herd mentality. And it just takes a couple of key players, a couple of big moves, and then the herd follows. Right. Let's touch on uh, commodities and uh, specifically gold. What do you see what's going on for gold? Uh, we're looking at this uh, bull market in gold. Sure. So that gold is a, a very interesting um, market because gold is the antithesis of the dollar. And you probably and a lot of your listeners are aware that for many, many years, it's always been speculated that there's a manipulation of the gold price. And that's done by short selling futures contracts, doing what they call naked shorts, because that's just paper. You know, when you hear about gold got knocked down, you know, $20 one day because, you know, 20 million ounces of gold were sold, you know, at the pre-open when the market was very illiquid. You know, that's not actual physical gold. No one backed up a truck and delivered 20 million ounces. That's just paper. So when you use, utilize the futures market like that, you can manipulate the market. But gold keeps getting knocked back. But really, when you step back and look, it's grinding higher. And if, if your uh, listeners are students of secular bull markets, secular markets, and they're both bull or bear, generally run 20 to 25 years. The one for gold started in 2001 with the low of $255 an ounce. There's three legs to a secular bull market. The first up, the second, a multi-year pullback, which does basically a 50% retracement in price. And then the third leg is uh, where the biggest returns are made. And I'll just let you know, it looks like it's a classic example of a secular bull market the first leg was from 2001 at 255 an ounce to 2011 at $1,900 an ounce. Did a multi-year pullback and 50% retracement, which is exactly what it did, which ended in December of 2015. And starting at January 1 of 2016, we're into the second year of the third leg. So even though you'll see gold going up, get knocked down, looks like it got, can't get out of its way. But if you really step back and look at the bigger picture, it's actually in a classic secular bull market. And I believe, and it appears, we are in the third leg of it, which means basically it's up from here, but you're going to have days and weeks where you're going to get knocked down and it's, it's not going to look like it's in a bull. And especially with some headwinds ahead and a lot of volatility and an, uh, an interesting environment, is to say the least, um, it's a store of value. Uh, it has been for, for centuries, so it, it's definitely something uh, to have uh, as part of your portfolio and your wealth strategy. Let's touch on uh, silver a little bit because that's a slightly different market than gold. Yeah, that's a, that's great. So yeah, gold is really money, right? Gold is the the pure monetary metal, 
and silver is the quasi-monetary metal and industrial metal. Now, what's interesting for silver is the industries it's used for, things like solar panels and smartphones you know, and, and electronics and technology are all booming bull markets. So, you know, that bodes well for silver as far as the industrial consumption. But silver is actually a much smaller market than gold, too. And silver mines, many silver mines have shut down in the last several years because of the depressed price. Now, silver is trading at a ratio to gold that really is uh, really shows that it's got a depressed price right here. And silver moves much more violently than, than gold. So when it makes a bull move up, it generally moves much more aggressively. And when it pulls back, it pulls back, uh, you know, with a, with a bigger downward spike. So silver is perplexing a lot of investors, but based on the fundamentals and also it's a monetary component, silver has a very bright future, a very positive future. Uh, the upside potential that is expected in silver is greater than gold on a percentage basis going forward. So when you hear some analysts talk about gold going to 5,000 plus dollars, you know, silver will outdo that. So you'll see a lot of individual investors uh, taking positions in silver uh, for basically one or two reasons. A, the, you know, the upside potential and B, the lower price point. I mean, there's no doubt people like the feeling of getting lots of ounces for their dollar versus a you know a higher price point item like gold. Right. And there's two other uh, precious metals that I want to talk about, and we have not really covered them on the show. And the, the one is platinum, which being from South Africa and a couple years ago on our drive to the Pilonsburg Game Reserve, we were on the platinum highway with lots of platinum mines. Can you share a little bit about this precious metal and the industry uh, before we touch on palladium? Sure. But I do have to bring the two together because... Um the use of platinum and palladium are basically within the same market. And uh, the biggest one for them is the pollution control market, which everyone knows is like catalytic converters. Now, platinum and palladium are very usually overlooked by investors, especially palladium. Um, interesting things about platinum and palladium. Besides being very rare, they predominantly come out of just two countries, and that's Russia and South Africa. So as opposed to gold and silver, that even though they're rare, they are mined around the world. I mean, everyone's got gold and silver mines, right? Canada, the U.S., Mexico, China, everyone. But platinum and palladium are predominantly from two markets. So that's a whole nother geopolitical risk to it. And basically, being that it's South Africa and Russia, these are not the most stable countries or the greatest allies. I mean, South Africa generally is, struggles a lot with labor problems. Um, which makes mine output um, constantly at risk. And then, of course, you know, we're in a little bit of a trade war and, you know, uh, at odds with Russia. So that's a risk factor that is obviously positive if you're a holder of those metals. Now, platinum has not been performing that well in the last several years. But that's why I said you have to bring up palladium in the same conversation. Palladium over the last five years has been the best performing of the four precious metals being gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. And it's done tremendously well. And the reason is basically because palladium was always this kind of a substitute for platinum in catalytic converters, but based on technological changes and being able to use palladium more efficiently, 
Palladium is getting more and more of the market share in that market space that used to be had by Platinum. And that's why you're kind of seeing this run up in Palladium where Platinum has kind of been flat in price. You're listening to Chris Blasey on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. You're listening to Chris Blasey on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and are back to our interview. On the Neptune Global Bullion Exchange, uh, there is a patented precious metals investment asset that you uh, offer, a PMC ounce. Can you share a little bit what it is? Absolutely. It's been in the market since 2008, so it's been actively traded for nine years. In 2013, it did receive a patent. Now, to summarize it, this is what we see is the beauty of the PMC ounce. The PMC ounce is a unit of trade. And you think of an ounce as like a pizza pie with four slices. And each slice represents a fixed weighted amount. One slice is gold, one is silver, one is platinum, and and one is palladium. And for each PMC ounce purchased, that fixed fractional amount of precious metal is then assigned in the client's name in a depository that holds a fully allocated inventory for the PMC ounce of uh, good delivery bars or bars that are approved by the NYMEX and the LBMA and even for IRAs of precious metals. So each PMC ounce is like a turnkey precious metals portfolio. And the PMC ounce is weighted. So the amount of money that's going into gold is not the same as platinum and palladium because gold is still the primary metal. But the beauty and the logic of the PMC ounce is that any asset class is good to be diversified. Within the precious metals, it's no different. The precious metals don't move in lockstep. Good example is, you know, silver's gone down uh, way more versus gold during the pullback in this, uh, as I said, the secular bull market. But in the last five years, the best performing metal has been palladium. And except for holders of the PMC ounce, virtually no one has a palladium position. So if you go to our website and you look on the home page, we show the chart of the PMC ounce versus gold and silver platinum. And you can see that it has a smoother ride, it's less volatile, and it's capturing the blended return of all four precious metals. And that's the purpose of it. We are not, it's not an actively managed account. It's a fixed, once you buy the PMC ounce and you're holding it until you sell it, you have a fixed position in those metals. But being that it's diversified, it doesn't move, it doesn't spike up and down as violently as a metal does generally on its own. And at a high level, that's what the PMC ounce offers. And I just want to, you know, just, uh, you know, drive home the important fact that it is not paper, as you heard the term paper gold or paper precious metals. It's not a derivative. It's not a fund. It's actual physical precious metals in its allocated account in a storage account in a depository, and the depository records the ownership at their level. 
and that's the ownership of the individual. Yeah, I, I really like that because it's not an ETF and it provides an opportunity to diversify you in precious metals. And as we've touched on, platinum and palladium might be two metals that uh, no one has really given a thought, but there's, uh, there's some great opportunities in those uh, precious metals as well. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, you can't market time, Michael. So, you know, if anyone tries to say, well, you know, I'm going to go move in and out of the metals when I think palladium might make its move up. It's impossible to do. You know, you cannot market time. So what this does, it takes that off the table and says, look, I'm just logically weighted and diversified across these metals. And you're, ca- you're capturing the upside of a, within all of them, but you're getting that nice, smooth, blended return. And you don't have a financial instrument between you and the underlying asset. So basically, you've eliminated that counterparty risk that's associate, associated with exchange-traded products and funds. With your background in technology, I just wanted to touch briefly on digital currencies or cryptocurrencies as well. What are some of your thoughts on these currencies, Bitcoin, Dash, uh, Ethereum, and, and so forth? And where do you see that this fits in in, this, uh, in these possible headwinds that we're headed into? Well, this is a huge subject. <laughs> we, Michael, we need five hours for this one. But I'll try to be succinct with a couple high-level thoughts. The one thing about, um, I think, people's opinions on cryptocurrencies is there's a little bit of blindness because of the speculative gains being made with Bitcoin, right? We've had tremendous, people who bought Bitcoin have gotten tremendous returns. Now, conveniently, there's been a number of cryptocurrencies that have failed miserably or were outright frauds, but there's very little talk about that, right? Everyone is focused on, you know, just the gains in Bitcoin. Right. Now, I want to separate the two. I think gains will still be made in Bitcoin. Gains will be made in some other cryptocurrencies and money will be lost in other ones that aren't aren't as uh, you know well architected um, or some will be outright frauds. Right. You hear a lot of what they call these ICOs, initial coin offerings happening. And there's a real mix of viable ones and, and miserable ones. But digital currencies. I think are not going away that I can basically say and be pretty sure of, but I think the real challenge in the future will be the private cryptocurrencies, which will go to battle with governments that will want to issue their own digital currencies. And the reason that governments will want to issue their own digital currencies is more for a control issue, which I don't think is in the best interest of us as individuals. And that's going to be the battle raging going forward. But there also is one thing I want to demystify about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. They are still technology. I think people are believe that the blockchain is this bulletproof technology. And let's just face it, it's software. It's just very robust. Um, you know, it's sophisticated, but it's still software. But and people do not you know, realize that it is subject to some of the same challenges that any software has. They will argue that, you know, the blockchain is different and that's just not true. Um, and if we look at Bitcoin, we knew Bitcoin had a scaling issue um, only a month or two ago that required the work of developers and programmers, which that's a classic. Uh, that's a classic challenge that any software has. So, you know, don't be you know, people need to be cognizant. It's still a technology. Technology has issues. But in the long term, 
digital currencies are going to just continue to pr proliferate. But the next big battle will be governments wanting to take control of them. And you saw your first foray into this, where just, oh, in the last week, that Russia has now announced the launch of the crypto ruble. So Russia is going to come out with their own state-sponsored digital currency, and you can be assured that they will forbid their people or do everything they can to um, have them trade in the crypto ruble and not private cryptocurrencies. Very, very interesting. I actually just wrote this down as you were uh, sharing your thoughts, because if there's one thing that we do know is that the folks that currently are in charge of money or have control over the money don't like competition. So uh, I can almost see a Fed, Fed coin being in the future as well. Absolutely. And honestly, uh, there's, there's, I could see no benefit to it um, because, you know, they will still run their quote unquote, their business um, and manage the currency the same way they do with a, uh, we'll, we'll call it a, a, a paper currency now, even though there's really very little paper out there. And the motivation will be strictly from a control issue. Um, as you know, with the cryptocurrencies, the blockchain records every single transaction and keeps the history of that forever on this public ledger. And, you know, from the, you know, if you have a little bit of a libertarian streak in you or you know, value your, your privacy, um, you know, the whole idea of having all your transactions on this, you know, did this, uh, public ledger to be forever recorded, you know, is a little unsettling, but that it's, it's a tide. I don't think we, we can't hold back. It's coming. Um, and that'll kind of take me back to why physical precious metals should be part of a portfolio is because right now they're one of the few assets that it can actually be owned in physical form and isn't just being presented to you in a digital form. And basically that's everything, even stocks and bonds. I mean, these are just electronic entries. I mean, no one has a stock certificate anymore. Um, I don't even know if you can get them. Um, but, um, you know, that's why that, that part of that portfolio, that store of wealth in the true tangible, you know, direct ownership form is something that everyone should have. Yeah, no, we, it's definitely very interesting because you see a lot of trends colliding and kind of meeting, uh, year. The war on cash has been a big one that we've covered, uh, and looked at closely. And, uh, it, that has definitely escalated. We've looked at the reserve, uh, world reserve currency and the SDR. We've looked at digital currencies. Uh, we've looked at the privacy issues that are out there. I mean, we truly live in Big Brother with uh, Facebook and Google and YouTube, which is owned by Google. But uh, all these different trends and uh, at the heart of it is this desire just to have sound money again, since it is a medium of exchange and a value exchange between parties and the basis for any economy. And that's exactly right. When you talked about that collision, Michael, I mean, that's, that's perfect because what you have is the individual, the citizens, you know, you and I and your listeners who are saying, hey, give me a more sound money, right? So I can earn and, you know, be paid in something that's more sound and isn't going to be a road through inflation. And then on the flip side, you have the issuers of these fiat monies and, you know, this, these debt based monetary systems. And they look at the, technologies that are emerging and instead of using it to kind of make a more sound currency their position is just a control issue um so you know 
the citizens, they're fighting for something that's more viable and more reliable and, and a better store of value. And the other side wants to leverage that technology as a, as a control issue. So um, it's going to be, you know, going to be some quite interesting times going forward. Um, that's for sure. Absolutely. Now, Chris, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. Uh, what are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning? Well, I think um, what I have found personally is I like to study macro trends. And I think we all should. And history should never be neglected. I mean, I think a lot of folks will say, oh, no, because of technology, it's different now. Well, it's not because technology is just a tool. The motivations of people never change. So that's why you can say, hey, technologies are coming out to, to now actually have a, a digital currency. But what is the history of government behavior? Right. So the technology isn't going to change government behavior. Right. There is always about control. Right. So know your history. And as far as investing, I think, you know, being a, what they call like a day trader, short-term trader, that's a very fruitless endeavor. You're up and then you're down. Most of the time, people kind of net out negative. What I personally believe is understand your trends and then invest accordingly so that the trend will basically like a big wave, you know, push you forward. Every day isn't going to be up. But if you, you know, if you look at investments that leveraged, um, the baby boom generation, right? You know, what did, what did that mean for housing way back in the 80s, right? When housing really exploded in the 80s and 90s because of all the baby boomers hitting their prime. You know, you could make good good investments that will work for you for, for multiple decades. And that's just, that's just my opinion. And that's what I like to do. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So, Chris, if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? I think one of the most important things, Michael, is to get a good start. And that's the same in anything, right? It's like education. Um, if you neglect your education when you're very young and you're learning all the basics of math and stuff, it's hard to catch up and you may never, right? You can't get serious later on without a foundation. Now, I'll back that up to personal finance. If you can be disciplined and just when you're young and you're starting out, just not go into debt for fruitless things or you know, non-productive things. I'm not saying not to enjoy life. You have to enjoy life. But if you can be smart, especially for that first decade or two, it will put you in such an advantageous position um, that you will be able to prosper and have resources you know, in the future that others don't. So one thing is don't go into non-productive debt, um, especially early on, right? Be smart, be wise. Um, and once you get that good foundation, basically you're kind of set and that's the way in anything. Um, and then that carries forward, you know, generation to generation. And if you have that legacy to pass on to your family, you know, it's just not, it's not just about being wealthy, but it's about letting your family have the resources to take advantage of opportunities, whether they're philanthropic or entrepreneurial. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the greatest things we can do. And obviously, you know, intact 
families and people who can contribute positively, whether, as I said, philanthropically or entrepreneurially, are good for society overall and uh, are the big contributors. Chris, how can my listeners learn more about you, your company, uh, the PMC Ounce, and stay informed of all the projects that you're involved with? Sure. The best way is to visit our website, which is neptuneglobal.com. So uh, there, we, um, you'll learn about our company. Uh, you know, we're, we're also a traditional physical precious metals dealer, but we have a lot of tools on the site and information about the PMC Ounce. I think your, li- uh, your listeners would see that if you're going to take a position in precious metals, which I think you should, the PMC Ounce is obviously the, is the most logical and will serve you best. We have a great tool on there called the PMC Calculator, which lets you experience a trade in the PMC ounce. And you see the logic of what gets purchased and owned with each PMC ounce. So again, uh, I encourage them to please visit NeptuneGlobal.com. There you'll also find you can hit our contact page if, you know, uh, get some more information from us. Or also, of course, we would have our phone number there. And you can always dial in and just chat with the specialist who can answer any questions. Fantastic. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge around this extremely important and uh, interesting topic and providing so much value for my listeners. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for joining my guest, Chris Blasey, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with your family, friends, and your network. Thank you so much for spending your most valuable asset with me, your time. And if there's any way that I can provide more value for you and serve you better at the Cashflow Ninja, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter or on our mailing list, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44222. Smart investors know that the banks actually don't own most automatic teller machines. In fact, the opportunity for private investment provides stellar passive returns, figures in the double digits, with the added bonus that most of the income is tax-free. Who wants to walk blindly past an ATM and not cash in on that opportunity? ATM machine ownership brings you a steady stream of hands-off passive income. Dave Zook and the Real Asset Investor team have been providing opportunities for investors in this uptrending activity of ATM use. If you're an accredited investor and would like more information on how you can invest in this exclusive asset class that very few investors will ever have access to, you can sign up for your free webinar on how to create income streams from ATMs at CashflowNinja.com forward slash real asset investor. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. If you want to create an income stream of 8% on your cash or money in your self-directed IRA within 90 days in real estate without finding the property, fixing it up, finding a tenant, and other management headaches, you have to watch the private lending presentation at cashflowninja.com 
forward slash private lending. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.